Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Wednesday, September 30th, 2020. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show includes comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Pro Tem Hilda Solis, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Thank you for listening, and to keep up with our department on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at LA Public Health, or visit our website, publichealth.lacounty.gov. And now, here's Supervisor Solis. Yes, thank you very much, and good afternoon, and thank you for joining today's press briefing. Yesterday, the Board of Supervisors approved several items related to the COVID-19 pandemic. This pandemic's impact is not limited to one's physical health, but instead has extended to all aspects of our lives. We expect to see continued job loss and devastatingly resulting in homelessness and a reality for far too many of our residents. That's why the board approved my motion yesterday to allocate $42 million to alleviate homelessness. Back in 2018, the county acquired the property located at 1060 North Vigna Street, which was envisioned to serve as a staging area for the new Men's Central Jail. But the public and the current crisis have presented us with a new challenge, and it has challenged us to reimagine what is meant by care. At my direction, I'm pleased to share Los Angeles County is creating approximately 232 new units of interim housing on the Vignes property that could become permanent housing at a later time. This will be done at a record speed, which is what the dual crisis of COVID-19 and homelessness has required. COVID-19 has been termed the great accelerator, and that is affirmed by this action. There is a fierce urgency of now. I'd also like to update our residents on our efforts to support young people. The economic consequences of COVID-19 are most felt by young people. A recent review of 200 studies found that job training has large and long-term effects on employment, and that is especially true during a recession. Despite that, it is one of the program cuts during times of economic downturn. The harsh impacts of COVID-19 require that we do the opposite. That is why the board at my direction is fully funding the Youth at Work program at $20.7 million a year, and the county has committed to identifying long-term funding. Youth at Work is a vital program to reduce young people disconnected from community and programs by connecting them with services. Youth at Work is also an opportunity for the region's public workforce system to build strong partnerships with high-growth industries that offer tremendous opportunities for all. Apply now at workforce.lacounty.gov slash youth at work. An investment in our youth is an investment in our future. The impact of this crisis continues to be felt by school-aged students, particularly the youngest. That is why we're making available the school waiver process to allow students TK through second grade to return to the classroom where they can learn best. This was not a decision made lightly, but instead was weighed by the health data and the impact of continued classroom closures on our students. While we will be evaluating this limited waiver process carefully, it is my hope that with continued compliance and stable cases amongst our residents, that we will allow older students to return soon as well. Additionally, the economic impact continues to be significant, with some small businesses worse off than others. With the stabilization in our cases and hospitalizations, we're moving forward cautiously with, 
limited openings of nail salons and indoor shopping malls, limited outdoor operations of breweries and wineries, and outdoor operations of card rooms. Dr. Ferrer will share more details on these openings, but I want to commend our residents for getting us to this point. I would be remiss not to add that we can see this progress take a turn for the worse quickly. That is happening, unfortunately, in San Diego, and it is not a remote issue here. We heard the State Health and Human Service Agency pro project that COVID-19 hospitalizations will increase by 89% over the next month. That could include right here in Los Angeles County. That is something we need to work to prevent. So I'd like to recognize our residents, not only for their hard work thus far, but also their continued commitment to ensuring the health of our neighbors. Thank you, and with that, I'd like to introduce Dr. Barbara Ferrer. Uh, thank you so much, Supervisor Solis, and to the entire Board of Supervisors for your leadership. And good afternoon, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, today, I want to try to do a few things. I want to update you on LA County status uh, in the state's current tier system. Uh, I want to present our uh, updated recovery indicators, and I want to talk a little bit about school and sector reopenings. Um, as I mentioned at the briefing on Monday, we are relieved that we have not yet seen a significant surge in COVID-19 cases, positivity rates, hospitalizations, and deaths uh, following the Labor Day holiday. We are noting today that there is a small increase in cases that may either reflect lower testing numbers at the beginning of the month, or they may reflect the fact that we're starting to see some small increases in community transmission. I wanna thank everyone uh, across the entire county, businesses, institutions, and residents who have helped slow the spread by following the protocols and the requirements and being diligent about using the tools that we have available right now to protect ourselves and others from transmission of a deadly virus. And first, I wanna update you on where we are with our recovery metrics, which we follow to understand how well we're doing on slowing the spread here in the county. First slide, please. The first slide shows the daily reported cases from April through this September 27th. And as you can see, cases have dropped significantly from the beginning of August uh, through the start of September to below 1,000 cases. But over the last few days, you've seen this slight increase in cases, as I noted, and we'll be watching this carefully. Uh, we know that there were decreases in testing earlier this month because of the extreme heat and the fires, but daily testing numbers have increased and returned to the levels we were seeing in August. Uh, so this may, in fact, uh, help explain some of the increases that we just saw in mid-September, uh, but we're going to need to wait uh, and see uh, what we have for case counts over the next week or so. And I'll take the next slide. This next slide shows the percent test positivity. This is the percentage of tests that are done for residents in LA County that come back positive. The test positivity rate, as you know, is influenced by how much community transmission is happening and the availability of testing. And as you can see, our positivity rate has fallen significantly from an average of about 8% back in July to 3% in September. And this is the lowest positivity rate we've seen since the beginning of the pandemic. The next slide. The daily number of hospitalizations also continues to give us very important information. 
helping us understand, independent of who or who is not being tested for COVID-19, how many people become seriously ill from the virus. It also helps us understand the impact of COVID-19 on the healthcare system. Hospitalizations have remained fairly steady for the past couple of weeks after declining significantly since the middle of July, where we were experiencing an average of 2,200 hospitalizations per day. As of September 24th, we're averaging about 743 hospitalizations per day. The shift in who is infected. With an increase in the proportion of cases among young people, there is an associated decrease in the number of deaths. Uh, we are relieved to see these decreases in the number of deaths, but we know that every single person that loses their life to COVID-19 creates heartbreak and devastation to their families and their friends. Uh, so we do need to remain vigilant in the work we're all doing across our communities uh, because that's the work that brings these numbers down. The next slide. Uh, the data I just presented helps us guide the county in how to best move forward on our recovery journey, but our recovery journey is also significantly influenced by the state's blueprint for a safer economy, which provides a tiered framework that places counties in one of four tiers, depending on two metrics that measure community transmission. Options for sector reopenings and permitted activities are aligned with each tier. And as a reminder, this uh, slide shows the metric thresholds that are set by the state to help determine when counties move to a new tier. I'll take the next slide. Last week, LA County met the case threshold uh, to be considered for moving to tier two if we stayed at or below seven daily cases per 100,000 people for two consecutive weeks. As we expected, unfortunately, our adjusted case rate increased a bit from seven last week to what's reported this week on the state's uh, uh, dashboard, 7.3. And this does keep the county in tier one, the most restrictive plan for at least another three weeks. The second metric that you can see here in yellow uh, that's used to determine the level of community transmission and an assignment to a tier is our test positivity rate, which measures the percent of tests that are positive. LA County has continued to place in tier three at 2.9%. Uh, However, when a county qualifies for different tiers based on the two metrics, the state assigns the county to the most restrictive tier. Hence, LA County remains in tier one because our daily case rate indicates widespread transmission of COVID-19. I do not want us to become discouraged because we remain in the most restrictive tier. We're the largest county and there has been steady and significant decreases in cases, positivity rates, hospitalizations, and deaths. And this is due to the actions of businesses and residents and to our county's cautious approach to reopening. And now that we've seen the stabilizing or declining numbers across our metrics, and we didn't experience the post-Labor Day surge, similar to what we saw after Memorial Day and July 4th, the Board of Supervisors approved several recommend recommendations that we've proposed that allow for staggered reopening of some sectors that are permitted by the state for counties to apply while they're in Tier 1. 
Uh, these are the sectors that haven't been reopened yet because of our risks around increased transmission uh, that could uh, occur with additional reopenings. However, the following uh, will uh, will proceed uh, with a staggered approach to reopenings um, that uh, will go over uh, the next 10 days uh, and will finalize the dates for each sector's reopening by Friday. Card rooms will be permitted to reopen for outdoor gaming only. Indoor use of card room facilities will be restricted to those activities that would pose an undue safety risk to card room workers if conducted outdoors. And this would just be uh, like uh, operational issues such as the cashier cages. No patrons uh, will be allowed indoors. Food and beverages may not be served in card rooms at this time, and, and there uh, we're asking for full compliance uh, by the card room operators. Indoor shopping malls will also uh, be allowed to reopen over the next 10 days uh, at a 25% maximum occupancy. All food courts and common areas must remain closed. This, again, is per the state uh, order. Nail salons will be allowed to reopen for some indoor services, again, limited at 25% occupancy, and nail salons will be encouraged to continue to offer services outdoors where the air circulation is better and there's lower risk of disease transmission. Outdoor playgrounds will also be able to reopen, but only with the approval uh, and at the discretion of the cities and uh, where they're located and or the county parks and recreation department. All parents and children ages two and older who use playgrounds in the county must always wear a cloth face covering. And there's no eating or drinking allowed in the playground area. Parents will be encouraged to monitor their children to ensure that they maintain a six foot physical distance from other children not in their household and that they take uh, infection control uh, procedures, including sanitizing of hands before and after using any equipment on the playground. Indoor playgrounds, however, do remain closed. Again, the exceptions are playgrounds that are located at childcare uh, facilities. Working with County Council, uh, we'll be exploring the process for reopening breweries and wineries that serve a meal. And again, uh, this will happen uh, over the next few days. Uh, the Department of Public Health will, as always, post comprehensive protocols for all sectors that reopen to ensure the continued health and safety of workers uh, and people in our communities. We urge all operators of businesses that are currently closed to implement all of the requirements in the protocols prior to reopening, and this is how we ensure compliance and avoid citations, fines, and possible closure. Uh, lastly, I do want to give you an update on schools. Uh, yesterday, the Board of Supervisors voted to allow the implementation of a waiver program where schools can apply to reopen their classrooms for in-person instruction for students in grades TK through grades 2. The waiver program, as I noted, is limited to students in grades TK through 2, and it's currently capped at 30 schools per week. Applications will be received uh, and approved uh, by the Department of Public Health in consultation with the California Department of Public Health. Schools with a higher percentage of students that qualify for free or reduced meals will be prioritized for waivers. 
in recognition that communities with high rates of poverty have been the hardest hit by the pandemic and often have less access to needed resources and support for successful distance learning. Schools do need to follow all required school reopening protocols for infection control, distancing, and cohorting. Uh, students will be in cohorts of no more than 12 children and two supervising adults uh, in each classroom. This group of students and adults will need to stay together throughout the entire day for all activities. Applications for the waiver program should be available for schools to start completing on Monday. This will be online at publichealth.lacounty.gov. The decisions to grant a waiver will be based on making sure that schools are able to open in full compliance with the LA County school reopening protocols and with the state requirements. The process, as I noted, requires a consultation with the California Department of Public Health prior to accepting or rejecting waiver applications. And the next, uh, uh, next slide. All schools, however, I wanna just remind us all, uh, are permitted right now to open for high need students while again adhering to the school reopening protocols. Uh, as you can see here to date, 526 schools are offering in-person learning for high need students. 76% are public schools, 13% are private schools, and 11% are charter schools. As you can see in service planning area A, that's the southernmost uh, area in our county, it includes Carson, Inglewood, and Long Beach. They have the most schools that are reopened at this time. Uh, all together, uh, over 18,000 students and 10,000 staff have returned to schools for on-site uh, support and services. Public health does have a dedicated team of specialists providing technical assistance and disease management control to all schools that are reopened or reopening. Every school that reopens receives a call and a site visit from the health department so that we can work together to ensure that there's fidelity with the school reopening protocols and prevent virus transmission when cases are identified. I wanna thank uh, all of the school districts and the many schools across the county for working so hard to ensure that the classrooms and the schools are environments that are as safe as possible for learning and working. And now a quick update on our current status. I am sad to report 30 additional people have passed away today. Nine of the people who died are over the age of 80 and seven people who passed away in this age group had underlying health conditions. 11 people who died are between the ages of 65 and 79 and all of the people who passed away in this age group had underlying health conditions. Six people who died are between the ages of 50 and 64, and five people in this age group had underlying health conditions. Two people who passed away are between the ages of 30 and 49, and one person in this age group had underlying health conditions. Information about the one death reported by the city of Long Beach and the one death reported by the city of Pasadena are available at longbeach.gov and cityofpasadena.net. This does unfortunately bring the total number of deaths in LA County to 6,576. And these numbers tragically represent the lives of real people who have been lost to the virus. To everyone who's mourning, people who have passed away, we keep you in our thoughts and our hearts. 
We're also reporting 1,063 new cases today, which brings the total number of cases in LA County to 270,299. These cases include 11,900 cases reported by the city of Long Beach and 2,568 cases reported by the city of Pasadena. We're also reporting 1,802 confirmed cases among people experiencing homelessness. Uh, of, of the people, uh, of, there are now 734 people that are currently hospitalized uh, with COVID-19. 28% uh, of the people who are hospitalized are in the ICU and about 15% are on ventilators. We have investigated over 1,866 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. Currently, we have 416 ongoing investigations and we've closed 1,450 investigations. This is because there were no new cases over a 14-day period at all of those sites. The total confirmed cases in institutional settings is 35,189. Uh, 17,793 are among residents and 17,396 are among staff. I am sad to report that 2,848 residents in institutional settings have died from COVID-19. 2,558 of the people who died in institutional settings resided in our skilled nursing facilities. Of the 28 newly reported deaths today, excluding the deaths in Long Beach and Pasadena, two were people who resided at our skilled nursing facilities. And again, our hearts go out to all who are mourning someone who has passed away from COVID-19. We're reporting 3,732 confirmed cases at some point in the jail facilities. 3,286 are among people who are incarcerated and 446 are among staff. There are 257 cases in the state prison, 193 among people who are incarcerated and 64 among staff. And there are 758 cases in the federal prison facilities 742 among people who are incarcerated and 16 among staff. We're reporting 155 cases in the juvenile facilities. This number stayed relatively stable, 69 among youth and 86 among staff. To date, over 2.6 million people have been tested and had uh, their test results reported in LA County. And the cumulative positivity rate is at 9%. Uh, in closing, as more businesses and schools are reopening, let's remind each other that diligence in slowing the spread of COVID-19 has brought us to a place where these openings are possible. In order to keep businesses and schools open and progress to Tier 2, we have to continue to be extraordinarily cautious and to use every single tool we have available that's been proven to reduce transmission. I am proud to be part of the LA County community. This has been and continu continues to be an extraordinarily difficult time for so many people and so many businesses. As we've worked together to slow the spread, we have shown how much we care for each other and our beautiful county. Thank you so much. With that, I wanna turn it over to Dr. Galley to give updates from the Department of Health Services. 
Hi, good afternoon. Today I'll provide an update on the DHS modeling effort with respect to new hospitalizations and projections over the next month, and then also talk briefly about the importance of getting a flu vaccine this year, especially in light of the COVID pandemic. With respect to the model, it's been a couple of weeks since I've talked about the model, so first let me just remind you what we're attempting to convey. The model tracks new hospitalizations as a way to understand the rate of transmission within the community and also as a way to be able to monitor hospital capacity, especially as it relates to what is the projected demand for that capacity over the next four weeks. Remember, while a critical and reliable measure of transmissions, hospitalizations are also a lagging indicator. They reflect COVID-19 transmission that was happening two to three weeks ago in our communities and thus needs to be remembered that it always lags behind the latest data. As you recall, the effective transmission number, or R, is the average number of new cases that will result of COVID-19 from each infected person. So when R is below one, the number of new cases will gradually decline over time. And when R is greater than one, the new number of new cases will gradually increase over time. Turning now then to the slides. On the first slide, this shows the effective transmission number. The R, the effective transmission number, has been steadily increasing, but gradually, in Los Angeles County over the last six weeks or so. On August 12th, I reported that the R was 0.86. Today, it is at 1.0 exactly, and last week it was slightly higher at 1.02. When R remained below one, we saw a steady decrease in the number of new patients requiring hospitalization for COVID-19. When R increases, though, from values below one to values greater than one, then we start to see a change in that transmission, where a transmission will start to increase at an accelerating rate. On the next slide, in Los Angeles County, R has been steadily increasing, and assuming that behavior remains constant, it is likely to continue to do so for at least some time. Because of that, you'll see that the expected rate of new hospitalizations will start to increase. However, please keep in mind, if our behavior does not remain constant, then we'll see those projections change, and we'll see that our actual experience is slightly different than what is projected in four weeks out. The model always assumes that behavior remains constant, but obviously this isn't always the case. And if we've learned anything from COVID-19, we've learned that our behavior makes an immense difference in what the transmission rate is of this virus across the county. When people wear their masks, when they're washing their hands, keeping their physical distance from others, trying to remain outside, reducing intermingling with those outside of our families, then we do see a decline in transmission. And that's what allows us to open up the doors for reopening that we all so sorely need. However, when we're not following those basic health measures, as we've seen again and again, that R goes up and the transmission rate goes up, and that's what threatens the possibility of reopening for us all. Turning now to the next slide, on slide, the next slide, on the estimate for R for total hospitalizations, as well as for ventilators, is anticipated to be adequate over the next four weeks. However, within the next month, it may be needed to be able to create additional ICU beds to accommodate an increase in patients, and that's what you'll see on the following slide. Please turn to the next slide. 
is this light, the red arrow, the red shaded area starts to cross versus the dotted red line. And that indicates that there's a possibility that the number of ICU beds in the near future could become inadequate. If this is the case, just as we have in the past, and what you'll see on that dotted red line, is that hospitals are able to flex up and down their ICU bed capacity to be able to accommodate for that additional patient demand. And that is something that hospitals are prepared to do if the need arises. We must all remember that R is under our control. While it is increasing just slightly, though potentially leveling off over the past week, there's every reason to believe that if we maintain strict control with those public health guidelines, that we will be able to control this transmission of the virus across the county. I'll shift now to just talking briefly, you can close the slides, about the importance of the flu vaccine. It should go without saying that we've obviously never experienced a flu season simultaneously with COVID-19. The flu very possibly could make COVID-19 worse, and it's possible that COVID-19 could make cases of the flu worse. They're both respiratory illnesses. They present in much of the same way, and they often have the same presenting symptoms. But we just don't know what will happen when someone is acutely infected with both viruses, or what the long-term health consequences will be of someone, again, who is co-infected. We don't want the peak of the flu season to coincide with a rapid increase in COVID-19 cases. This has the potential of negatively affecting the hospital system and their capacity to care for patients with COVID-19, as well as those without, and also the health of yourself, of those you love, and those around you. Many people I know are working diligently to develop a COVID vaccine. But the results of that vaccine and the fruit of that work is likely several months away. But we do have a vaccine against the flu. It is a reliable vaccine and has been shown year over year to be safe and to reduce the cases of flu and to reduce deaths from the flu. This is the best time in late September, October, before the flu season really ramps up for people to get the flu vaccine so that you have the few weeks that it takes for those antibodies to develop before the flu season becomes more prominent among us. To locate a flu vaccine near you, you can call your doctor. Flu vaccine is available at many retail pharmacies across the county. You can also go to www.vaccinefinder.org to also locate vaccination options near you. You can also go to the county's 211 system and be able to find a low-cost or free flu shot. Everyone six months or older is recommended to be immunized against the flu unless you have a specific contraindication. And while anyone can get the flu, even healthy, young, healthy people, certain groups are certainly at risk of developing more serious complications from the flu. This includes some of the same groups that are at risk of developing serious complications of COVID-19, including the elderly, those over 65, and those with chronic underlying health conditions. There's also a couple of other groups that are also at increased risk of serious outcomes of the flu, including young children, especially those below the age of five, and pregnant women. We need to all continue to do the things that are within our power and control to control the COVID-19 pandemic as well as the upcoming flu season. So please continue those basic public health practices and seek out an option for a flu vaccine. And we'll now turn it over for questions. 
Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please press 1, then 0 at your telephone keypad. You may withdraw your question at any time by repeating the 1 and 0 command. If you are using a speakerphone, we ask that you please pick up the handset before pressing the numbers. Once again, if you have a question, you may press 1, then 0 at this time. And as a reminder, please limit your questions to one, along with one follow-up. We will start with the line of Colleen Shelby with the Los Angeles Times. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Um, I know that you're saying that the positivity rate and transmission rate has declined a bit today, but uh, given the fact that the projection for hospitalizations and transmission is uh, likely to increase, I'm wondering if you could walk us through a bit the decisions to reopen the sectors that have uh, previously been closed. Yeah, thanks so much uh, for the question. You know, it's, um, you know, it is uh, in part threading the needle a little bit to uh, look at all of the data and make informed decisions uh, on the reopening. Uh, we did uh, really uh, set for ourselves a goal of trying to avoid having any surges uh, associated with Labor Day activities. Um, and if we were able to accomplish that, we would revisit um, some of the reopenings that are in fact allowed for all counties in Tier 1. As many people have noted um, in uh, their comments, uh, public comments to us and their letters, um, there, there is um, a desire on the, on the part of those sectors uh, that the state has allowed to reopen uh, for us as a county to, again, work with those sectors and figure out uh, when would there be good timing uh, that would allow us to do some gradual reopenings. I think we've been uh, really cautious about the reopenings in Tier 1 and, and remain cautious. We will stagger uh, these reopenings over the next 10 days so that our public health team can get out and make sure that uh, we're appropriately supporting the sectors that are reopening. Um, but we have determined that uh, with really good adherence, and this is critical, uh, to the directives that are in place, uh, these are activities uh, that we think can be done uh, with a lot of safety, and if they're done with a lot of safety, uh, we're hopeful that we won't see uh, a big surge in cases. It's pretty easy to know uh, when things aren't going well because our cases tend to increase within a couple of weeks. Um, our hope is, and we've had many conversations uh, with the operators of the shopping malls, with the operators of the card rooms, with the nail salon operators and employees about the assurances we need uh, to know that um, they are in fact going to adhere to the directives. I also want to note uh, we have more compliance officers that are out there and have instituted a citation and a fining system again to remind everybody how important it is to reopen with adherence uh, to these directives. These directives are not recommendations, they are requirements with the reopenings. But thanks for that question. Next question will come from the line of Claudia Pesciuta with KNX News Radio. Please go ahead. Hey, uh, can we please get the numbers of homeless deaths when you provide the update on the cases? Um, also, I'm wondering if you've all gotten your flu shots yet and maybe yes. you could just do a show of hands. And thirdly, um, what's happening with the antibody study? And when might we get some results on the third round of testing? Yes, and, and thanks so much. Um, I think uh, most of us have gotten our flu shots. Um, 
We have a, a video shoot that's scheduled at my office for uh, some of our staff that we'll be using uh, that is an opportunity to get messaging out to uh, the 4,500 employees that work at the Department of Public Health as a reminder to get their flu shots. Uh, we will uh, post the number of homeless deaths. I believe that gets updated now once a week. Um, and the antibody study status, that's a, a great question. Uh, we, were, uh, we are in the middle of sort of the round three. I will say that um, one of the reasons for the delay has been uh, we switched to a different antibody test uh, after there was more evidence about the accuracy of the tests that we were question. We'll go to the line of David Rosenfeld with LA Daily News. Please go ahead. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you so much. Uh, yesterday's action by the Board of Supervisors to come to some surprise, uh, even to some of the supervisors themselves. When, you, when uh, Dr. Farrow, when you spoke uh, to them earlier in the meeting, uh, it didn't sound like the plan was to reopen these other sectors. So I wonder, do you agree with this or not? And who ultimately does have the authority for the health uh, order? I think that's something that has been rather unclear throughout this pandemic. Is it the health department or is it the Board of Supervisors? Thank you. Well, in, in part, this is Supervisor Solis. I, I would say to you that we have ongoing discussions all the time with Dr. Ferrer and between uh, different members of the board. And we have uh, also paid close attention to some of the calls that we have received and emails and have met with different uh, segments of our business community that have also expressed concern about when they would be able to open. Of course, we base all our decisions on the data and the science. So I am very... Um, very satisfied that Dr. Ferrer has given us the right direction, that we are being very tempered in how we will go forward in our openings for each segment that she already described, and that we'll continue to monitor. And of course, it's going to be uh, reliant on people's compliance. And so business owners, as well as customers, and everyone has to be really vigilant. That's how we got to this place now. We can keep going in the right direction if everyone plays by the rules. Thank you. One more question. A question will come from the line of Jackie Fortier with KPCC. Please go ahead. Hi, I had a couple questions about nursing homes. Um, are all county nursing home inspectors being routinely tested for COVID-19? And I was wondering if nursing homes are being encouraged to switch to staffing bubbles instead of using, um, you know, roving contractors to reduce the risk of facility to facility transmission. Um, yes, thanks so much. Uh, yes, all of the inspectors uh, that... Um, are part of the teams that are going into the nursing homes uh, through our health facilities inspection division are in fact tested as are all the inspectors that may go into facilities uh, that are part of the California Department of Public Health team. Uh, there's regular testing uh, for all of our staffs. Um, and I appreciate the question about the staffing bubbles. Uh, we, ha we don't require staffing bubbles uh, we have given guidance to all the nursing homes about trying to, as much as possible, keep a stable group of um, staff assigned to a stable group of residents. So I appreciate sort of the, the bubbling word because that's really what you're trying to do almost is create this cohorting. Um, as you know, at the nursing homes, we also have uh, different tiers based, based on risk factor. And the one thing that does not happen is staff do not move between uh, the residents that are at the green level, 
uh, versus the residents that may be at the yellow level uh, versus the residents that are in fact isolated. Uh, so I will say that uh, all of the nursing homes have been asked to make sure that staff uh, who are assigned to work with residents or serve residents uh, who have uh, current infection or who have been quarantined because they had an exposure are not the same staff that then are working uh, with those residents who are at the green level and have had not had any exposures. Uh, and with that, we'll go to remarks in Spanish from Supervisor Solis. Buenas tardes y gracias por acompañarnos hoy día. Esta pandemia ha afectado a nuestra salud física y a varias otras partes de nuestras vidas. Sabemos que habría todavía más pérdidas de vidas y también de trabajos, una realidad para todos. Pero eso la Junta, por eso ayer la Junta de Supervisores aprobó mi moción ayer para asignar 42 millones de dólares para ofrecer más casas de bajo costo. En el 2028, el condado compró la propiedad de 1060 en la calle North Bigness. Antes, este sitio iba a ser la nueva cárcel central de los hombres. Pero el público y esta crisis ha cambiado nuestro propósito. Bajo mi dirección, me da gusto anunciar que el condado de Los Ángeles va a construir más que 200 unidades de vivienda en los propiedad de Vignes que podrían convertirse en casas permanentes en el futuro. Vamos a construir estas casas rápidamente por COVID-19. Las personas sin techo merecen también esta ayuda. También quiero hablar sobre mi apoyo de los jóvenes. Por causa de COVID-19, muchos jóvenes no tienen trabajo en este momento. Bajo mi dirección, la Junta de Supervisores va a seguir invirtiendo en el programa Juventud en el Trabajo, con más de 20 millones de dólares este año. Juventud en el Trabajo es un programa que prepara a los jóvenes para empleo. Les da oportunidad de trabajar en negocios y industrias de alto crecimiento. Para participar en este programa, jóvenes pueden mandar su aplicación hoy. Llamen a 211 para más información. Apoyar a nuestra juventud es apoyar a nuestro futuro. Estamos en este momento, en esta pandemia que sigue afectando a estudiantes, especialmente a los jóvenes. Estamos considerando reabrir las escuelas para que los estudiantes puedan volver al clase. Este no fue una decisión fácil. Fue una decisión basada en los datos de salud y en considerando también el mejor para nuestros estudiantes. Vamos a estar revisando este progreso para que todos estén seguros. Además, la economía sigue siendo algo muy importante para cada de nosotros. Sabemos que algunos pequeños negocios están sufriendo mucho más que otros, ya que no hemos subido en el número de casos Vamos a reabrir salones de uñas y centros comerciales. Reabrir sitios que venden cerveza y vino, que se llaman cerve cervecerías. Y reabrir salas de cartas al aire libre. La doctora Ferrer ya habló sobre esto en detalle, pero les quiero dar las gracias a todos por llevarnos en este momento, en este punto, porque de veramente no es fácil. 
Pero quiero recordarles a todos que la, las cosas pueden cambiar y se pueden ser peor en un momentito. Oficiales, oficiales del Estado han dicho que casos de COVID-19 pueden subir desde 89% en el próximo mes, incluso aquí en el condado de Los Ángeles. Esto es algo que tenemos que evitar. Por eso quiero darles a todas las gracias a ustedes por sus sacrificios y todo lo que han hecho para mantener todos seguros. Muchísimas gracias y con eso quiero presentar a Jacqueline Valenzuela. Buenas tardes. Hoy nos gustaría actualizarlos sobre dónde estamos cuando tiene que ver con el sistema de niveles del Estado, nuestros indicadores de recuperación y las reaperturas de escuelas y otros sectores. Como mencionamos el lunes, nos sentimos aliviados de que todavía no hemos visto ningún aumento en los casos de COVID-19, incluyendo las tasas de positividad, hospitalizaciones uh, y muertes después del feriado del Día del Trabajo. Estamos notando un pequeño aumento en los casos que pueden reflejar números más bajos en la cantidad de pruebas a principios del mes. Gracias a todos eh, los miembros del Condado de Los Ángeles, empresas, instituciones y residentes uh, que han ayudado a frenar la propagación siguiendo de cerca los protocolos y los requisitos que um, seguimos utilizando estas herramientas uh, que nos ayudan a protegernos y a los demás de la transmisión de este virus. Para empezar, queremos actualizarlos acerca de los indicadores de recuperación que analizamos de cerca para entender si estamos frenando la propagación de COVID-19 en nuestro condado. First slide, please. Este gráfico muestra los casos reportados a diario desde abril hasta el 27 de septiembre. Como puede ver, los casos disminuyen significativamente desde principios de agosto hasta principios de septiembre a menos de mil. Uh, pero en los últimos días eh, hemos visto un ligero aumento en los casos. Sabemos que hubo disminuciones en la cantidad de pruebas a principios de este mes debido al calor extremo y a los incendios, uh, pero el número de pruebas diarias ha aumentado y ha vuelto a los niveles que estábamos viendo en agosto. Esto puede ser en parte la razón por la cual vimos una gran disminución uh, en los casos a mediados de septiembre y luego un pequeño aumento en la última semana. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra nuestro porcentaje de pruebas que se realizan que dan resultados positivos. La tasa de positividad de la prueba es afectada por la cantidad de transmisión en la comunidad y la disponibilidad de pruebas. Como puede ver, nuestra tasa de positividad ha disminuido significativamente de un promedio de alrededor de 8% en julio a alrededor de 3% en septiembre. Y esta es la tasa de positividad más baja que hemos visto desde el comienzo de la pandemia. Next slide, please. El número diario de hospitalizaciones también nos sigue dando información muy importante, ayudándonos a entender independientemente de quién se está haciendo la prueba o no, cuántas personas se están enfermando gravemente por el virus. También nos ayuda a entender el impacto que tiene COVID-19 en el sistema de atención médico. 
Las hospitalizaciones se han mantenido bastante estables lo, las últimas dos semanas después de haber disminuido significativamente desde mediados de julio, eh, donde experimentamos un promedio de unas 2,200 hospitalizaciones por día. A partir del 24 de septiembre, eh, estamos viendo un promedio de 743 hospitalizaciones por día. Este es el número más bajo que hemos visto en seis meses. Next slide, please. Cuando vemos los fallecimientos diarios por COVID-19, uh, se nos recuerda que los cambios en el número de muertes uh, suelen quedar por detrás de los cambios en los números de casos y hospitalizaciones. Después del aumento de fallecimientos que vimos en julio, uh, que continuó hasta agosto, ahora estamos viendo que nuestro promedio diario de muertes sigue disminuyendo a niveles que no hemos visto desde principios de abril uh, al comienzo de la pandemia. Esto es uh, sin duda una, un reflejo de la disminución del número de casos y hospitalizaciones, pero también refleja tanto las mejoras de, uh, en el tratamiento uh, para los pacientes de COVID-19 como el cambio en quién está afectado. Uh, con un aumento en la proporción de casos entre los jóvenes, hay una disminución asociada de fallecimientos. Y nos sentimos aliviados de, que, de ver estas disminuciones en el número de fallecimientos. Y sabemos que necesitamos permanecer vigilantes uh, en lo que hemos hecho juntos para reducir estos números. Next slide, please. Estos datos que acabamos de presentar ayudan a guiar al condado en la mejor manera de avanzar en nuestro viaje de recuperación. Uh, nuestro viaje hacia la recuperación también está significativamente influenciado por el plan para una economía más segura del estado que coloca a los condados en uno de los cuatro niveles uh, dependiendo de dos indicadores que miden el nivel de trans transmisión en la comunidad. Las opciones para las reaperturas y las actividades permitidas se alinean con cada nivel. Como recordatorio, este gráfico muestra los límites de los indicadores establecidos por el estado para determinar cuándo los condados pueden moverse al siguiente nivel. Next slide, please. La semana pasada, el condado de Los Ángeles cumplió con la tasa de casos que se consideraría um, para pasar al nivel 2 si nos quedamos en ese nivel o por debajo de 7 casos diarios por cada 100,000 personas durante dos semanas. Como esperábamos, nuestra tasa de casos ajustada ha aumentado un poco uh, de 7 en los informes de la semana pasada a 7.3 esta semana. Y esto mantiene al condado en el nivel 1, uh, el plan más restrictivo durante al menos tres semanas más. El segundo indicador uh, utilizado para determinar el nivel de transmisión y asignación a un nivel es nuestra tasa de positividad de pruebas, que mide el porcentaje de pruebas que son positivas. El condado de Los Ángeles se coloca en el nivel 3 en 2.9%. Sin embargo, cuando un condado califica para diferentes niveles basado en los dos indicadores, el estado asigna un condado al nivel más restrictivo. Uh, por lo tanto, el condado de Los Ángeles permanece en el nivel 1 porque nuestra tasa diaria de casos indica una transmisión comunitaria generalizada de COVID-19 en nuestras comunidades. 
y no hay que desanimarnos porque seguimos en el nivel más restrictivo. Ha habido disminuciones constantes y significativos en los casos, tasas de positividad, hospitalizaciones y muertes debido a las acciones que todos hemos tomado y el enfoque cauteloso de nuestro condado para la reapertura. Ahora que hemos visto estabilizar o disminuir los números en nuestros indicadores uh, y no experimentamos un aumento después del día del trabajo, similar a lo que vimos después del día de los caídos y el 4 de julio, la Junta de Supervisores aprobó varias recomendaciones que propusimos para permitir uh, la reapertura escalonada de algunos sectores permitidos por el Estado para los condados en el nivel 1. Hay algunos sectores que el Estado permite abrir en el nivel morado um, que hasta este punto no han sido reabiertos debido a preocupaciones eh, sobre los riesgos de una mayor transmisión que podrían acompañar estas reaperturas. Los siguientes sectores van a proceder con una reapertura escalonada en los próximos 10 días. Vamos a finalizar estas fechas a más tardar el viernes. Las salas de juego de cartas o de póker Uh, solo pueden reabrir para juegos al aire libre. El uso en interiores de las instalaciones se limitará a aquellas actividades que no ponen en riesgo a uh, la seguridad de los trabajadores de la sala si se llevan a cabo al aire libre. Un ejemplo um, de esto serían las áreas del cajero. Las alimentas, perdón, las, los alimentos y las bebidas uh, no serán servidas en las salas de juego en este momento. Y habrá una política de cero tolerancia cuando las salas no adhieran a nuestros protocolos. Una ofensa será suficiente para el cierre inmediato. A los interiores de centros comerciales podrán reabrir al 25% de ocupación y los lugares de comida y todas las áreas comunes siguen cerradas. Los salones de uñas pueden reabrirse para algunos servicios en interiores limitados al 25% de ocupación. Uh, se alienta a los salones de uñas uh, a seguir ofreciendo servicios al aire libre, ya que la circulación del aire es mejor y hay menor riesgo de transmisión de enfermedades al aire libre. Los parques infantiles al aire libre pueden reabrirse a discreción de las ciudades y el Departamento de Parques y Recreación del Condado. Todos los padres y niños mayores de dos años que usan áreas de juegos infantiles en el condado deben usar una cubierta para la cara. No se permite comer o beber en esa área y se alienta a los padres a vigilar a sus hijos para asegurarse de que mantengan una distancia física de seis pies de otros niños que no son de sus hogares. Eh, los patios de recreo interiores deben permanecer cerrados. Estamos en el proceso de trabajar con nuestro Consejo del Condado para reabrir las cervecerías y bodegas de vino que sirven alimentos. Estas instalaciones solo podrán reabrir para operaciones al aire libre. El Departamento de Salud Pública publicará protocolos para todos los sectores que reabran para garantizar la, segud, la, perdón, la salud y la seguridad de los trabajadores y la comunidad. Instamos a todos los operadores de empresas que actualmente están cerrados a implementar todos los requisitos antes de reabrir para garantizar el cumplimiento y evitar multas y cierres. También queremos darles una actualización sobre las escuelas. 
Ayer la Junta de Supervisores votó para permitir la implementación del programa de permisos conocidos como waivers, donde las escuelas pueden solicitar reabrir sus aulas para la instrucción en persona para los estudiantes en todos los grados de prekinder pre al segundo grado. El programa se limitará a los grados de prekinder al segundo año y actualmente está limitado a 30 escuelas por semana. Las solicitudes serán revisadas y aprobadas por el Departamento de Salud Pública y también por el Departamento de Salud Pública del Estado de California. Las escuelas con porcentajes más altos de estudiantes que califican para comidas gratuitas o de precio reducido serán priorizadas para estos permisos en reconocimiento de que las comunidades con altas tasas de pobreza han sido más afectadas por la pandemia y a menudo tienen menos acceso a los recursos y al apoyo que es necesario para el aprendizaje a distancia exitoso. Las escuelas tendrán que seguir todos los protocolos de reapertura escolar requeridos para el control de infecciones, el distanciamiento físico uh, y la instrucción en grupos estables. Los estudiantes estarán en grupos pequeños de no más de 12 niños y dos adultos uh, que van a supervisar el aula. Este grupo de estudiantes y adultos permanecerán juntos todo el día uh, durante el día escolar para todas las actividades. Esperamos tener las aplicaciones para el programa de permisos disponible para las escuelas empezando el lunes en nuestro sitio web publichealth.lacounty.gov. Y las decisiones de otorgar un permiso se basarán en asegurar que las escuelas puedan abrirse en un pleno seguimiento con los protocolos de reapertura de escuelas del Condado de Los Ángeles y los requisitos estatales. El proceso también requiere la consulta con el Departamento de Salud Pública del Estado de California antes de aceptar o rechazar las solicitudes. Next slide, please. Todas las escuelas en el condado también se les permite abrir para los estudiantes de alta necesidad mientras se adhieren a los protocolos de reaperturas de escuelas. Hasta la fecha, 526 escuelas están ofreciendo aprendizaje en persona para estudiantes de alta necesidad. El 76% son escuelas públicas, el 13% son escuelas privadas y 11% son escuelas conocidas como escuelas charter. Como vemos, el área de planificación de servicios 8, el área más al sur de nuestro condado y incluye Carson, Inglewood y Long Beach, tiene la mayoría de las escuelas abiertas en este momento. Más de 18,000 estudiantes y 10,000 empleados han regresado para el aprendizaje en persona. El Departamento de Salud Pública cuenta con un equipo dedicado de especialistas que proporcionan asistencia técnica y control de manejo de enfermedades a todas las escuelas que están reabriendo. Cada escuela, se reabrirá, um, cada escuela que reabrirá recibirá una llamada y una visita del departamento uh, mientras trabajamos juntos para asegurar el cumplimiento con los protocolos de reapertura y la prevención de transmisión del virus uh, cuando se identifiquen casos. 
Queremos agradecer a los distritos escolares y a las muchas escuelas de nuestro condado por trabajar tan duro para garantizar que las aulas y las escuelas sean los entornos que sean lo más seguro posible para aprender y trabajar. Ahora, para actualizarlo sobre nuestro estado actual, estamos tristes de reportar 30 fallecimientos adicionales hoy. Esto eleva el número total de muertes a 6,576 en el condado de Los Ángeles. El 92% de las personas que han muerto a causa de COVID-19 tenían condiciones delicadas de salud. Para las 6,190 personas que han fallecido donde se identificó la raza de etnicidad, el 51% son latinos, el 23% son blancos, el 15% son asiáticos, el 10% son afroamericanos y el 1% son nativos de Hawái o de las Islas del Pacífico y 1% se identifican con otra raza de etnicidad. Hoy también estamos reportando 1,063 casos nuevos. Esto eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 270,299. Estamos reportando 1,802 casos confirmados eh, entre personas sin hogar y 734 casos confirmados uh, están uh, hospitalizados actualmente. El 28% de estas personas están en unidades de cuidados intensivos y el 15% están en ventiladores. El total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 35,189, incluidos personal y residentes. 17,793 eh, entre residentes y 17,396 eh, entre el personal. También nos da tristeza informar que 2,848 residentes en entornos institucionales han fallecido a causa de COVID-19. 2,558 de estas personas eh, que fallecieron en entornos institucionales residían en centros de enfermería especializada. También reportamos 3,732 casos confirmados en algún momento en las instalaciones de la cárcel, 3,286 entre personas encarceladas y 446 empleados. Hay 257 casos en la prisión estatal, 758 casos en las prisiones federales y 155 casos en los centros de menores. Más de 2.6 millones de personas se han hecho la prueba y se han reportado resultados al condado de Los Ángeles. El 9% de estas pruebas fueron positivas. Para terminar, a medida que más empresas y escuelas se están reabriendo, recordamos que seguir las pautas no ha ayudado a frenar, nos ha ayudado a frenar la propagación de COVID-19. Para mantener las empresas y las escuelas abiertas y poder progresar al nivel 2, tenemos que seguir siendo muy cautelosos y utiliza, utilizar las herramientas que tenemos que han demostrado a, a reducir la transmisión. Estamos orgullosos del Condado de Los Ángeles y este ha sido y sigue siendo un momento muy difícil para tantas personas y empresas. Pero hemos trabajado juntos para frenar la propagación y hemos demostrado lo mucho que nos cuidamos el uno al otro y a nuestro hermoso condado. Okay, now uh, we'll go ahead and move on to questions. Thank you. We have one question from the line of Sandra O'Neill with Telemundo 52. Please go ahead. Mm 
Hi, um, thank you. This question is for Ms. Linda Solís. Um, señora Linda, le quería preguntar sobre la moción de las mujeres sin hogar, las mujeres solas. ¿Cuál es la necesidad que usted está notando y el por qué la llevó a, a implementar esta moción? Oh, muchas gracias por esa pregunta. Desafortunadamente la supervisora Solís no está, pero lo que vamos a hacer es asegurarnos de que pueda uh, darle esa respuesta a la pregunta. Muchas gracias. And now, now we'll go ahead and move on to remarks in Armenian. Շնորհակալություն վերահսկիչ Սոլիսին եւ ամբողջ վերահսկիչ խորհրդին։ Այսօր ես կցանկանայի տեղեկացնել նահանգի ներկայիս մակարդակի համակարգում Los Angeles շրջանի կարգավիճակի վերականգնման մերձությանիշների, դպրոցների եւ այլ ոլորտների վերաբացման մասին։ Ինչպես ես նշեցի երկու շաբթի մամուլի ճեպազրույցում, որ դերևս չենք տեսել COVID-19 դրական դեպքերի հոսպիտալացման, մահվան դեպքերի աջ աշխատանքային օրվա տոնի կապակցությամբ։ Մենք նշում ենք դեպքերի մի փոքր աջ, որոնք կարող են արտացոլել ամսված սկզբին տեսավորման ավելի ցածր թվեր։ Շնորհակալություն Los Angeles շրջանի ողջ տարածքին, ձեռնարկություններին, հաստատություններին եւ բնակիչներին, ովքեր օգնել են դանդաղեցնել տարածումը, հետևելով արցանագրություններին եւ պահանջներին, ճանաչիրաբար օկտագորցելով այն գործիքները, որ մենք ունենք մեզ եւ մյուսներին վիրուսի փոխանցումից պաշտպանելու համար։ Նախ ես ուզում եմ ձեզ հարմացնել, թե որտեղ են գտնվում վերականգնման չափանիշներով, որոնց հետևում ենք հասկանալու համար, թե արդյոք մենք դանդաղեցնում ենք COVID-19-ի տարածումը շրջանում։ Վերականգնման մեր ճանապարհորդության վրա ազդում են նաև ապահով տնտեսության նահանգի նախագիծը, որը տրամադրում է շերտավորված շրջանակ, որը կոմսություններին դնում է 4 աստիճաններից մեկում, կախված համայնքի փոխանցման մակարդակը չափող երկու չափանիշներից։ Կրկին վերաբացումներ։ Այժմ երբ մենք տեսանք կայունացած կամ նվազող թվեր մեր չափանիշների մեջ, մենք հետ ընտրական օրվա աջ չզգացինք։ Վեստուգողների խորուրդը հաստատեց մի քանի առաջարկություններ առաջին աստիճանի կոմսությունների համար պետության կողմից թույլատրված որոշ հատվածների փուլային վերաբացում։ Կամ որոշ հատվածներ, որոնք պետությունը թույլ է տալիս բացել մանուշակագույն մակարդակում, որոնք միջև այժմ չեն վերաբացվել։ Փոխանցման ավելացման վտանգի վերաբերյալ մտավախությունից որոնք կարող են ուղեկցել լրացուցիչ վերաբացումներ։ Այս ներառում է այն հատվածների ցուցակը, որոնք վերաբացվեն, ինչպես նաև վերաբացման սпасվող ժամանակացույց, ինչպես նաև սահմանափակումներ, որոնք մնան նույնիսկ վերաբացման պահից։ Այս ցուցակը ներառում է սրահներ կարող են վերաբացվել միայն բացօցյա խաղերի համար։ Խաղակարտերի սենյակները ներքին օկտագորցումը կսահմանափակվեն միայն այն գործողություններով, որոնք անթերի անվտանգություն կապահովեն աշխատասենյակների աշխատողների համար, եթե դրանք իրականացվում են դրսում։ Այս պահին հնարավոր չէ սնունդ եւ խմիչքներ մատուցել սրահներում եւ մեր արձանագրություններին չհամապատասխանող սրահների համար կգործեն զորոյական հանդուրժավ հանդուրժողական քաղաքականություն։ Մենք իրավախախտումը 
բավարար կլինի ամիջապես պակվելու համար։ Պակ արևտրի կենտրոնները կթուլատրվի վերաբացվել 25 տոքոս բաղվածության, իսկ սնընդի տարացքները և բոլոր ընդհանուր տարացքները պակ կմնան։ Կարեջիրատները և գինու գործայաները կարող են վերաբացվել բացությա� Եղունների սրահաներին խրախուսվում է շարոնակել ծառայություններ մատուցել դրսում, կանի որ ոթի շրջանարությունը ավելի լավ է և դրսում հիվանդությունների պուխանցման վտանգը ավելի ծացր է։ Բացությա և բոլոր ծնողները պետք է ունենան դեմքի կտորի ծացկույթ։ Հաղահրապարակում արգելվում է ուտել և խմել, և ծնողներին խորուրդ է տրվում վերահսկել իրենց երեխաներին, ապահովելու համար վեծ ոտնաշապ վիզիկական գործարգնել և արձանագրություններում արկա բոլոր պահանջները միջև վերաբացումը ապահովելու համապատասխանություն և խուսապել տուգանքներից և պակվելուց։ Դպրոցների վերաբերալ։ Վերջապես ուզում եմ ձեզ � թիքեից եկրոր դասանների աշակերտների անհատական ուսուցում դասասենյակները վերաբացելու համար։ Հրաժարման ծրագիր դիմումները կսահմանապակվեն թիքեից եկրոր դասաններով և ներկայումը սահմանապակվում են շապատակ որակավորում են ստանալու անվջար կամ նվազեցված սնունդ, գերադասելի կդարնան հրաժարման համար, իգիտություն այն պաստի, որ աղկատության բարցր մակարդակ ունեցող համայնքները առավել ծանր են տուժվել համաճարակի պաճարով և տպրոցները պետք է հետևեն անռաժեշտ վերաբացման արձանագրություններին, վարակների վերահասկման հերավորության և համապատասխունթյան համար։ Ուսանողները դասարաններում կլինեն խմբերի մեջ, ոչ ավելի կան տասերկու � բոլոր գործողությունների ընթացքում։ Հրաժարման ծրագրի վերաբերալ դիվումները պետք է հասանելի լինեն դպրոցների համար, որպիսի երկու շապտի որը լրացվեն համացանցում publichealth.lacounted.gov հասցեյով։ Հրաժարում տալու բացման արձանագրությունները և պետական պահանջները։ 
գործընթացը պահանջում է նաև խորթադվություն Կալիֆորնիայի հանրային առողջության վարչության հետ նախքան հրաժարվելու դիմումները ընդունելու կամ մերժելու։ Ներկայ իրավիճակի վերաբերյալ։ Այսօր ցավով հայտնում ենք եւս 30 մահվա մասին։ Այս մարդկանցից 9-ը 80 տարեկանից բարձր են, որոնցից 7-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ 11-ը 65 տարեկանից 79-ն է, որոնցից 11-ն էլ ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ 6-անձի տարիքը 50-ից 64-ն է եւ 5-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ 2-ը 30 տարեկանից 49-ն եւ 1-ը ունեցել է ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Սա բերում է ընդհանուր մահերի թիվը 6576-ի Լոս Անջելոս շրջանում։ Էթնիկ պատկանելությունը հետևյալն է։ 51%-ը լատինո լատինեքս, 23%-ը սպիտակ, 15%-ը ասիական, 10%-ը աֆրոամերիկացիներ, 1%-ը բնիկ հավայան, 1%-ը մեկալ ռասա եւ էթնիկ խումբ։ COVID-19-ով մահացած անձանց 92%-ը ուներ ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ, ինչը կարևորում է այն անձանց, ովքեր առողջության լուրջ խնդիրներ ունեն մնալտանը եւ հնարավորինը սխուսափել սերտ կապերից։ Այսօր մենք հայտնում ենք 1063 նոր դեպքերի մասին։ Սա բերում է Լոս Անջելոս շրջանի դրական դեպքերի ընդհանուր թիվը 270299. Այս դեպքերը ներառում են Լոնգ Բիչ քաղաքում մեր գործընկերների կողմից գրանցված 11900 դեպքեր, իսկ Փասեդենա քաղաքի կողմից գրանցված 2568 դեպքեր։ Որոնք ունեն անկախ առողջապահական բաժանմունքներ։ Մենք հայտնում ենք 1802 հաստատված դեպք անոթևան ապրող մարդկանց շրջանում։ Ապաստան գտած 519-ը անց պատշաճ կերպով մեկուսացված են, իսկ կապերը կարանտինացված։ Ներկայումս հոսպիտալացվել են 734 մարդ, որոնցից 28-ը գտնվում են ինտենսիվ խնամքի բաժանմունքում, իսկ 15%-ը միացված են շնչարական օդափոխիչների։ Քնություններ են կատարվում 1866 ինստիտուցիոնալ բնակչության հաստատություններում։ Դրանց թվում են ծերանոցներ, ապաստաններ, բուժման կենտրոններ, օժանդակվող բնակելի հաստատություններ եւ քրեա կատարողական հիմնարկներ։ Ինստիտուցիոնալ միջավայրում հաստատված ընդհանուր դեպքերը 35189 են ներառյալ անձնակազմը եւ բնակիչները։ Այս դեպքերից 17793-ը բնակիչներ են, 17396-ը աշխատակազմ։ Ցավով ենք հայտնում, որ 2848 մարդ, ովքեր ապրում են ինստիտուցիոնալ պայմաններում, մահացել են COVID-19-ից եւ մահացածներից 2558-ը բնակվում էին հմուտ բուժքույրական հաստատություններում։ Մենք ցավում ենք այս կորուստի համար։ Զեկուցում ենք, որ հաստատված 3732 դեպքեր արձանագրվել են քրեա կատարողական հիմնարկներում։ 3286 դատապարտյալ եւ 446 աշխատակազմ։ 257 դեպք նահանգային բանտերում, 193 բանտարկյալ եւ 64 աշխատակազմ։ 
Եվ Վերջում, կանի որ ավելի շատ ձերնարկություններ են և դպրոցներ են վերաբացվում, եկեք բոլորս հիշենք, որ COVID-19 տարածումը դանդաղեցնելու ճանասիրությունը մեզ բերել է մի տեղ, որտեղ այդ վերաբացումները պոխանցումը նվազեցնելու համար։ Ես հպարտեմ լոս անջելոս շրջանով, շատ մարդկանց և բիզնեսների համար սա եղել է և շարնակում է մնալ շատ դժվար ժամանակաշրջան։ Բայց մենք միասին աշխատել ենք տարածում� Anyashimnika, Bonjo Teshibodu Suchua Kalyoneso update to Basim Drigesmida. Parobuto Kuor Chukaji, Kesu Suga Chonge Biman Rosso, Hyonjoi Churosonunde, Jinan Itil Jongdoga Yakan, Kesu Suga Olagangosel Bursuisosnida. Ibontal Chue to Toyo Sampolo Ineso, Tester Pannen, Suchiga Churodrosonunde, Idil Tesesusunen, Tashi Olagasmida. 양성 확줄률은 7월에 8%에서 9월에는 3%로 많이 줄어들었고 이 수치는 팬데믹 이후로 제일 낮은 수치입니다. 9월 24일까지의 평균 병원 입원자 수는 743명이고 이 수치는 지난 6개월 중에 가장 낮은 수치입니다. 또한 평균 1일 사망자 수도 줄어들고 있는데 팬데믹 초기 즉 4월 초와 비슷한 수치임을 볼수 있습니다. 지난주에 LA 카운티는 2단계로 갈수 있는 케이스 기준점에 달하였는데 2주 동안 케이스 수가 10만 명당 7 이하이면 2단계로 갈수 있었습니다. 예상했듯이 1일 케이스률이 지난주에 10만 명당 7에서 이번 주에는 7.3으로 올라갔습니다. 그러므로 우리 카운티는 1단계에서 적어도 3주 이상을 더 머물러야 합니다. 다음 단계로 넘어가기 위해서 보는 또 다른 수치는 양성 확증률인데 LA 카운티에서는 2.9%로 3단계에 속합니다. 그러나 카운티가 서로 다른 단계의 수치를 가지고 있을 때 주정부에서는 더 제한적인 단계를 지정해 주기 때문에 LA 카운티는 여전히 1단계에 머물러 있습니다. 영업 재개와 관련하여 말씀드리겠습니다. 이제 수치가 줄어들거나 유지가 되고 있고 지난 네이버데이 연휴 후에도 큰 수치상의 변화가 많이 없었기 때문에 LA 카운티 슈퍼바이저 보드는 1단계 내에서 주정부 허락 아래 영업을 재개할 수 있는 몇몇 영업체들을 허가하였습니다. 
이 영업체들 가운데서 앞으로 10일 동안 엇갈리는 스케줄로 영업을 재개하게 될 것입니다. 그 중에는 카드게임장이 있는데 카드게임장은 야외 게임용으로만 영업을 재개하는 것이 가능합니다. 실내 사용은 만약 야외에서 한다면 카드게임장의 직원의 안전에 위험을 줄 경우에만 사용하도록 제안하고 있습니다. 예를 들어서 돈을 칩으로 바꾸는 환전원의 경우가 그러할 수 있습니다. 음식과 음료는 제공되지 않을 것이며 프로토콜을 따르지 않는 카드게임장은 용납되지 않을 것입니다. 한 번만 위반을 해도 즉시 사업체를 영업을 중단해야 할 것입니다. 실내 쇼핑몰은 수용인원원의 25%만 열수 있는데 푸드코트와 모든 공동구역은 계속 닫혀 있을 것입니다. 네일샵은 수용인원의 25%의 실내 서비스 영업을 재개할 수 있습니다. 네일샵을 계속해서 야외에서 서비스를 제공할 수 있을 것인데 공기순환이 더 잘되고 밖에서는 병이 확산되는 위험이 더 적기 때문에 그러합니다. 야외 놀이터는 영업을 재개할 수 있지만 그 시와 카운티의 파크센 레크리에이션 부서의 결정에 따라야 할 것입니다. 카운티에서 놀이터를 사용하는 모든 부모와 2세 이상의 아이들은 천 얼굴 가리개를 사용해야 하며 음식이나 음료를 먹을 수 없고 부모들은 자녀들이 다른 자녀들과 6피트의 신체적 거리를 두도록 모니터해야 합니다. 실내 놀이터는 계속 폐쇄될 것입니다. 또한 우리 카운티는 카운슬러, 카운티 카운슬러와 함께 양조장과 포도주 양조장이 실내에서 음식을 제공할 수 있도록 하기 위해 함께 노력하고 있는 중입니다. 보건국은 영업을 재개하는 모든 사업체가 총괄적인 프로토콜을 따르도록 개시할 것입니다. 현재 폐쇄되어 있는 모든 사업체 운영진들은 영업 재개를 하기 전에 프로토콜에 있는 요구 조건을 따르도록 시행함으로써 이를 위반했을 시에 벌금이나 영업정지를 당하지 않을 수 있을 것입니다. 학교에 대해서 업데이트를 알려드리겠습니다. 어제 슈퍼바이저 보드는 TK에서 2학년까지의 학생들이 교실 내에서 수업을 받을 수 있도록 학교가 영업을 재개하는 웨이버 프로그램을 실행하도록 허가하였습니다. 웨이버 프로그램은 TK에서 2학년으로 제한되어 있고 한 주에 30학교씩만 영업을 재개할 수 있습니다. 학교에서 무료 혹은 저렴한 급식을 받는 학생이 많은 학교들이 웨이버 프로그램에서 우선순위 될 것인데 이 커뮤니티들이 빈곤 수준이 판다믹으로 인해 가장 크게 영향을 받았고 보통 필요한 물자의 도움을 받기가 어려울 수 있으며 성공적인 원격 수업이 어렵기 때문입니다. 학교들은 영업재개 프로토콜에 따라서 전염병 관리, 거리 두기, 또 코홀트를 따라야 하는데 한 교실에 학생들은 12명 이하, 이하로 슈퍼바이저를 하는 어른들은 2명의 그룹으로 코홀트를 할 것입니다. 이 그룹의 학생들과 어른들은 학교의 모든 활동들을 함께 할 것입니다. 웨이브 프로그램의 신청서는 웹사이트 Public Health .lacounty.gov에서 월요일부터 받을 수, 받아서 작성하실 수 있습니다. 웨이버를 허가하는 결정은 LA카운티 학교 영업재개 프로토콜과 주정부 요구 조건에 잘 따를 수 있는지에 달려있을 것입니다. 
카운티에 있는 모든 학교는 더 많은 필요가 있는 학생들을 위해 영업을 재개할 수 있는데 학교 영업 재개 프로토콜에 따르면서 그렇게 할수 있습니다. 지금까지 526개 학교에서 더 많은 필요가 있는 학생들을 위해서 대면 수업을 시작했습니다. 이 중에 76%는 공립학교, 13%는 사립학교, 11%는 찰더스쿨이었습니다. 현재 칼슨과 잉글로드, 롱비치 지역에서 가장 많은 학교들이 영업을 재개하였고 학생 1만 8천 명과 스텝 1만 명이 대면 수업을 시작하였습니다. 영업 재개를 할수 있는 모든 학교들은 보건당국에서 전화를 받을 것이며 사이트 방문이 있을 것입니다. 그럼 어, 데일리 리포트를 말씀드리도록 하겠습니다. 유감스럽게도 코로나 바이러스로 인해 추가로 30명의 사망자가 보고되었습니다. 이중 9명은 80세 이상이고 이중 7명은 기저질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 11명은 65에서 79세 사이이고 이중 11명은 이미 질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 6명은 50에서 64세 사이이고 이중 5명은 이미 질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 2명은 30에서 49세 사이이고 이중한 명은 이미 질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 롱비치시에서 한 명의 사망자가 있었고 파사디나시에서 한 명의 사망자가 있었으며 자세한 점은 각 시의 웹사이트를 보실 수 있습니다. 이로써 로스앤젤레스 카운티에서의 총 사망자 수는 6,576명입니다. 코로나 바이러스로 사망한 분들 중에 92%가 이미 질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 인종과 민족성이 알려진 6,190명의 사망자 중에 51%는 라틴 계열, 23%는 백인, 15%는 동양인, 10%는 흑인, 1% 미만은 하와이 태평양성 원주민, 1%는 기타 인종이었습니다. 오늘로써 1,063건의 새로운 확진 케이스가 보고되었습니다. 이로써 로스앤젤레스 카운티에서의 총 확진 케이스 수는 27만 299건입니다. 이 수는 롱비치시에서 1만 1,900건, 파사디나시에서 2,568건이 있으며 이두 시는 각 보건부가 따로 있음을 알려드립니다. 노숙자들 중에 확진 케이스 수는 1,802건입니다. 이들 중 519명은 보호소에서 고립되어 있고 밀쪽 접촉자는 격리되었습니다. 현재 734명이 양성 확진자로 병원에 입원해 있으며 이중 28%는 중환자실에 있고 15%는 인공호흡기에 의존해 있습니다. 하나 이상의 확진 케이스가 나온 총 1,866개의 거주시설과 비거주시설을 조사하였으며 이중 416개는 현재 조사 중이고 1,450개는 조사를 마쳤습니다. 시설에서 총 확진 케이스 수는 35,189건이고 이중 17,793명은 거주자이며 17,396명은 일하는 사람들입니다. 시설에 사는 사람들 중에 사망자 수는 2,848명이고 이중 2,558명은 전문 간호시설에 살고 있었습니다. 오늘 발표된 28명의 사망자 중에 2명, 즉 7%는 전문 간호시설과 관련된 사망 케이스입니다. 교도시설에서는 총 3,732건의 확진 케이스가 있었고 이중 3,286명은 수감자이며 446명은 일하는 사람들입니다. 지금까지 LA 보건부로 260만 건 이상이 코로나 바이러스 테스트를 받은 것으로 보고되었으며 이중 9%는 양성 결과였습니다. 
끝으로 더 많은 사업체와 학교가 영업을 재개하면서 우리가 기억해야 할 것은 코비드19 확산을 늦추기 위해서 부지런히 노력한 것이 이러한 영업 재개가 가능하도록 도와왔다는 것입니다. 계속 사업체와 학교들이 영업을 유지하고 2단계로 발전하기 위해서 계속 조심히 하고 우리가 가지고 있는 모든 도구를 사용해서 확산을 줄이기 위해 노력해야 할 것입니다. 우리는 LA 카운티가 매우 자랑스럽습니다. 많은 사람들과 사업체들에게 지금은 매우 어려운 시기이지만 우리가 확산을 늦추기 위해서 우리는 함께 노력하고 또 서로와 이 아름다운 카운티를 위해서 얼마나 마음 쓰는지 보여줄 것입니다. 감사합니다. Next, uh, Ellen Chang will brief in Mandarin. Thank you. 感谢多沙委员会感谢你们带领我们一直抗议各位下午好感谢你们参加我们的发布会今天我回为大家更新一下各方面的数据包括我现在州政府的梯级阶段我现在恢复方面的指标及学校和各方面的重启状况我在星期
。在经历了七月中旬每日住院人数高达两千二百人之后，这个数据一直在下降。截止九月二十四号止，每天平均住院人数稳定在七百四十三例左右，这是过去六月六个月中最低的数字。Next slide. 当我们观察每日死亡人数时，我们要记住这一数据：较每日新添病例及住院人数而言，都是延迟的。在七月到八月每日死亡人数增加了一段时间后，现在的每日死亡数据一直在下降。目前，每日死亡人病例已经低到四月初的水平。每日死亡数的减少，肯定是因为病例新添人数或住院人数的减少，但另一个因素是因为治疗新冠病毒。的水平的提高，以及感染人数转移到更多的年轻人，而年轻人的死亡率较年长者要低。无论如何，我们很欣慰死亡率的降低，同时我们也清楚，在社区的各行各业都应保持对新冠病毒的非常清醒的认识，让死亡率进一步降低。州政府。阶梯的分类，这张图告诉我们如何按照州政府的分类指标来尽快按我县进入重启。Next one， 洛县在梯阶，在州政府的梯阶所处的位置，上星期洛县的指标已经达到了进入第二阶段的程度。如果在接下来的两星期内，我们能够保持每十万人中七例，我们就可以进入第二阶段。很遗憾，这一数据从上星期的七上升到这个星期的七点三。正因为如此，所以我现在接下来的三个星期内，我们只能停留在第一梯层及建严最严格的梯层。另一个划分梯层的指标是测试的成阳率，我现在成阳率为百分之二点九。属第三梯层，但州政府根据这两个指标中不达标的指标中的来划分梯层，所以我现只能停留在第一梯层。我不会因为我们处在最严格的梯层而失去信心，因为我现的各项指标一直在下降，如病例数、成阳率、住院率及死亡率，这应归功于所有商业居民所做的集体努力，重新开启。因为各项数据并未像独立节之前出现了暴增，所以我县督查委员会已批准了公共卫生局提出的分部按各行各业重启的提议。重启的行业包括，其中棋牌师在考虑之内，但只限于户外；室内公物中购物中心，但限于百分之二十五的容量。但饮食广场和公共区域不会开放。美甲店限于室内百分之二十五的容量，美甲店但仍然可以继续在户外营业。户外游乐场所也在重启重启之列，这要由各市政府及县公园及游乐管理局做相应的规定。还有附带饮食的酿酿造厂。啤酒厂也在可以开放之列。公共卫生局即将出台有关各行各业的重启规定。另外还有学校。
昨天，县督查委员会投票通过了开始实施特免申请程序，奥尼西学校可以重新申请课堂授课。现在我来为大家更新每日每日的数据。很不幸，我们又有三十人因新冠病毒去世，其中九人是八十岁以上的长者，在这九人中有七人患有其他先天疾病，十一人介于年龄。六十五岁到七十九岁之间，这十一人都患有其他疾病。六人的原因介于五十到六十四岁之间，其中五人患有其他疾病。两人的年龄介于三十到四十九岁之间，其中一人患有其他疾病。长滩市有一例死亡，帕萨迪纳也有一例。相关的资料可以在他们市政府网站上可以寻找。这样，诺县总死亡人数就达到了六千五百七十六例。每一个新冠病毒因新冠病毒去世的，都曾经是鲜活的生命。我在这里向每位失去亲人的朋友们致以诚挚的问候。因新冠病毒去世的人中，百分之二十九十二的人都患有其他疾病，这一比例在整个疫情期间都比较稳定。因新冠病毒去世人中，六千一百九十人的逐一背景已分类，分类结果如下：拉丁裔占百分之五十一，白人占百分之二十三，亚洲人占百分之十五，非裔占百分之十，夏威夷群岛及太平洋附近的太平洋岛屿的原住民比例不足百分之一，还有百分之一属于其他族裔。今天我们新添了一千零六十三例新的新冠病例，这样洛杉矶县。病例总数就上升到了二十七万零两百九十九例。这一数字包括长滩市的一万一千九百例和帕萨迪纳市两千五百六十八例，两个市都有自己的独立卫生部。新冠肺炎确诊病例的中有一千八百零二人来自无家可归的人群，其中五百一十九人已得到了。妥善的隔离和防疫处理，并且这个处理会直到隔离结束。现有确诊新冠病例住院的人数是七百三十四例，其中百分之二十八的人数住在加护病房，其中有百分之十五的人病人使用呼吸机。我们已经对一千八百六十六个大型住宅和非住宅。做了调查，这些机构中至少有一个是已知新冠病毒患者，其中四百一十六个人在调查中，一千四百五十个已结束调查。机构确诊病例的总数为三万五千一百八十九例，其中居民为一万七千七百九十三人，员工是一万七千三百九十六人。我们很沉痛，因新冠病毒去世人中有两千八百四十八人来自机构住所，而其中两千五百五十八人则来自于首领护理机构。在今天新添的二十八例死亡人中，这个不包括长滩市的一人和帕萨迪纳市的一人，两人来自于首领护理机构。所有监禁场所的确诊病例为三千七百三十二人。其中三千二百八十六人为囚犯，四百四十六人为员工
，加州监狱有两百五十七例，其中一百九十三人为囚犯，六十四人为管教人员。联邦监狱有七百五十八例，其中七百四十二例为囚犯，十六人为管教人员。少年管教所有一百五十五例，其中六十九人为囚犯，八十六例为管教人员。洛县已有超过两百六十万的居民进行了新冠病毒测试，并上报了测试结果。测试的阳成阳率为百分之九。随着越来越多的商业和学校重新开启，我们一定要牢记：正是因为我们的防疫的不懈努力，才让我们的商业和学校有重新开启的机会。为了让我们的商业和学校能够保持开启，也为了我们能够进入防御。防疫第二阶段，我们要，我们一定要利用一切可以利用的工具，并保持高度的警惕，来防止病毒的扩散和传播。我为诺县自豪，对很多人和商业，这是一个非常困难的时期，但我们只要我们一起努力，互相扶持，来抵抗病毒，延缓病毒的传播，我们一定能够做到。非常感谢大家，谢谢。That's all for today. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov. And follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health podcast.